The Spin-Off Podcast Network. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Yeah, like, I don't know, something like we discover that all this time Annabelle has actually been the national former candidate for Upper Harbour, catfishing us over the pod. Yeah. Uh, sure. Can we just, let's just take it as read. Let's let the listeners use their imagination. <coughs> I like it. As if we did it. Yeah. yeah. Are you ready for us to get started, Tina Teller? Tinakoto Kato, this is Gone by Lunchtime. My name is Toby Van Hire. Annabelle Matha, kia ora. I think I might change my stage name to Annabelle Lilibet. Lilibet. Matha. Just a little bit. It's got, yeah, it's got a ring to it. It's, it's have a good mm. ring to it. And Ben Diana Thomas, kia ora. <laughs> um, yeah, very upset to learn that I don't get a title. You turned, I, assumed you turned it, I just assume you turned it down. No hereditary. <laughs> Like, did you notice there were you heaps the of knights and dames this year for Queen's birthday? There were, there were eight. There were eight. That's that's, that's a, lot, quite a lot historically. Yeah. But then everyone's handing theirs back, <laughs> so they've got like oh, they've got a that? they've got a surplus of honours piling up in the <laughs> prime minister's office <laughs> that they need to sort of get out the door. There is again. that super posh one, isn't there, where there's like twenty in there. The Order of New Zealand, which is the, the greatest which is, living which New is, Zealanders, which is even Jonathan above. Hunt. Yep. Lloyd Gearing, a man who was uh, expelled from a voluntary club for breaking its rules. Um, Jim Bolger, I think, and Helen Clark. Oh, yeah. Actually, they probably they they probably deserve it. Well, because Jim Bolger refused the knighthood, didn't he? But yeah. we managed Did to get he? Sir Richie yeah, McCaw. He's a Republican. The man. Hmm. Yeah, Sir, Sir Richie McCaw. Danginui Walker also turned down a knighthood. I bet he did. Mm, the man. <laughs> yep. Um, Sir Richie McCaw, sorry. Well, R- R- Richie turned down the knighthood after we won the 2011 World Cup. Yeah, but then he took but, it, but so he it did it, count. But he did accept the, the the title, which meant he was one of the officially one of the 20 greatest living New Zealanders. He's like, oh, shucks, no, I don't. I'm not going to take a knighthood. I just, I just want recognition for yeah. my humble achievements yeah. as one of the 20 greatest yeah. living Kiwis well. on the planet. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Annabelle, this is an intervention. Yes. It has come to our attention uh, that you have been sitting on a story about Nick Smith Mm. for some time uh, for the Hui. Yeah, was leaked to us. um, Why have you not released it to the public? I've just been, you know, like in winter and it starts to get cold and you get quite tired quite Mm. quickly Mm. and just... Sore muscles. Yeah, just... 
just haven't got around to it. Explosive story about uh, the altercation to end Mm. all altercations. Mm. You just can't be bothered. We'll get to it at some point in the future, I'm sure. But and Ben, you had something to put to Annabelle as well. Yeah, the most amazing news since we've last been together. So we've had uh, alleged spies uh, resigning, you know, resigning from Parliament, and that being uncovered. Uh, that there was a, a deal between the parties. We've had the announcement of the Climate Change Commission's report. Um, but the biggest revelation politically is that Nick Smith could be removed from Parliament for yelling. <laughs> no, I wish I had known this when I was in the Beehive. Like it was an altercation. It's well, I think the altercation was just yelling, wasn't it? Some some little Jamie Lee Ross snitch recording from behind a door. Did you ever get yelled at when you were working in Parliament, Ben Thomas? Uh, did Chris did Chris Finlayson yell at you? Talk, tell us, talk, tell us about this. Just, just fin, fin tone Lason, of silence. Fin, Finlayson's not a yeller. No. Uh, you know, look. But Would he though stand like Parliament on is a, a chair raised voice sort of and place. denounce you in Latin? That's the kind of thing I can imagine that for Lawson like doing. Lots of denunciations do. in Latin, but, um, but that's fine because you don't understand what's going no. on. So no. it all seems, you know, you're like, maybe it's a compliment. But, you know, I mean, when I was in Parliament, if you if somebody was listening behind a door to you, like, screaming your head off at somebody, when you came out, you'd be applauded. Um, <laughs> you know, this... <laughs> I, I remember one like half hour yelling match with Patty Gower on the phone and I, I came out of my office to like go and get some water to rehydrate or something and there was just a big semicircle of people listening outside. Um, I, th- I think that, you know, if Parliament loses its yelling culture, it use, loses quite a lot. Well, except an, a sort of experienced senior MP ideally should not be shouting terrifyingly at their staffers. That's not quite the same thing as a rambunctious press secretary mm. hollering at Patrick Gower. I mean, we don't know the details. Um, all we know is that, yeah, it was like this this possibly illegal secret recording. No, it's not. It's only Ill- illegal if both parties are unaware of it. As so long but as the one person party recording is it aware. wasn't one of the parties. Yeah, the person, this, this was like an outsider. Doing. But had they? But had the other person agreed for them to record it? Oh, we don't. don't we don't know that detail. A lot of questions. A lot of questions, and so they'll all, all will be revealed on the hurry. Eventually, it's been one of a few stories that have set back uh, the good ship national in the last week. There was also the story about Jake Bazant, who uh, a, a failed candidate in Upper Harbour who it turned out had been doing some pretty unpleasant, alleged stuff relating to an ex-partner, and that emerged on another podcast. I can tell you what the name of that podcast was, because there's only one podcast in my life. And that ended up with Judith Collins sort of using some pretty pretty strong language. What did she call Bazant? She she definitely referred to his perverted behaviour. Perverted. Um... Yeah, like very st- – and to her credit, Collins has always been very strong on this sort of thing. Um, she was the one National Party uh, MP who spoke out about John Key's ponytail pulling. Uh, she was very firm about the Andrew Falloon allegations yep. last year. Um, Collins is in no – you know, Collins has always actually set a very high standard um, for, you know, improper behaviour, mm-hmm. you know, in those sorts of respects. 
um, you know, a, a terrible week um, for organised crime around the country. Um, did you read that story about the <laughs> criminals all signed up to this set up fake an app. FBI app? I don't know what your segue is to, here, to do encrypted yeah. messaging. And so I mean, it's a ter- it's a terrible week for members of the mongrel mob kingdom and. Um, in New Zealand, who have been, you know, arrested as part of a sweeping criminal sting operation, and found out they've been sexting Jake Bazant for the last six months. Wow! Um, and in other news of national MPs, Paura Goldsmith uh, uh, put his party in the mire again when he said that, on balance, colonialism had been good. Was thing. it colonialism or colonisation? Col- colonisation. Colonisation, big pardon. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how, how, <laughs> how, how, how's your calculations going at the moment? I see you're working on your phone there, but Annabelle, are you, do, are you doing a balance sheet on the, the, the pros and I cons? I mean, well, obviously it's been awesome mm. to be the, the sickest, the poorest, the most in prison the most homeless. So, I mean, who could argue with the statistics? Clearly, it's been fantastic. And it obviously, it's not like you can just come over and have an encounter with the culture, maybe do some trade and share some technology and resources and then, like, leave them be. Leonie so, was I mean, it was an inevitable outcome, wasn't it? Leonie was doing <laughs> some back-of-the-envelope uh, calculations yesterday. One of them, one of them in, the, in the pro column was salt and vinegar chips. Mm. So, I feel, see. This is thought of that. Well, this is the yeah, but of, of but course. you could just be like a good like a dinner party. Like bring your salt and vinegar chips and your reduced like cream. I dinner. mean, you can't even put reduced cream in there because that came after a lot of. I mean, you could get a lot of salt and vinegar chips for all of the flax up north. Um, I think I think I think if Napui had really wanted salt and vinegar chips, they probably could have bartered for them without sort of losing all their land. Mm. Okay. In fact, like, I'm no investment advisor, but actually if you if you hung on to your capital, you would create a, a, an income stream for salt and vinegar chips far into the future. Mm. Um, yeah, no. Um, and interestingly, because Goldsmith's actually a historian, um, that's his background, and it, it is strange that he would make sort of a sweeping statement like that, which, you know, admittedly wasn't that uncommon, you know, a few years, you know, probably a decade or two ago. Um, but, I, you know, you you think that generally we have a more sophisticated understanding now, um, and that is one argument for teaching New Zealand history a bit more prominently in schools. I think that's because he genuinely believes that... Um, that um, colonisation has been good, and it has been for for non-Māori, um, but obviously not for Māori. And just those sorts of regressive view, it's it's very much, you know, seated in superiority and this idea that, you know, were it not for Pākehā coming here and bringing amazing things like guns and diseases and <laughs> writing. Yep. Um you know, that we'd all be running around in, in grass skirts and just the lack of sophisticated thinking around this or, you know, the idea that, you know, two nations can um, engage with one another without one having to usurp the other or 
subjugate them, I think is a really interesting insight into some of the thinking. I also thought it was interesting how quickly Judith Collins kind of shut it down within the party too and when when other people were canvassed um, like Todd, Todd Muller. Chris Luxon. Who didn't have any Māori in his top ten or whatever it was. You know, they, they disagreed with their colleagues, so that was... Interesting. Yeah, Chris Luxon was kind of seemed quite quickly out of the traps with, um, I mean, I, I have no reason to doubt that it's a, a firmly held view. I'm sure it is. Um, but also part of me wondered that there was a little bit of, what would John Key do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the thing that's interesting about it too is that it's really off-brand in the post-settlement era to be making those sorts of mm. statements because as Māori become increasingly empowered economically, um, you really need to get alongside and, and understand treaty partnerships and, and, you know, those sorts of concepts rather than the concept of cultural superiority. Yeah, and even aside from that, that's a good point because in the, you know, treaty settlement legislation includes apologies for all the terrible things the Crown has done. You know, it has figures about land loss. It has, you know, the the, the apologies set out in quite a lot of detail um, just how bad the effects of Crown actions uh, on Iwi have been over the years. Um, And it it would actually be nice if, um, you know, I I think when we were doing treaty settlements when I was in the Beehive, being either complimented or upbraided in Latin, we'll never know. Um, you know, there was a lot of focus on the part of settlements, which is about redress, you know, mm. money, land, and a, and there was a bit of focus about co-governance, which is now coming into more sort of attention now. But the other part of it is, you know, the actualist apology and historical account, which is just as central a part of a settlement, uh, because you're getting everything on record. And, you know, if, if I was back there now, I would probably be putting more of an emphasis on that historical record part of settlements that then maybe we did. Because it was it's really interesting when people become more aware of the actual history, a lot of the resistance to things like, you know, commercial yeah. redress kind of drops away and people are like, shit, doesn't seem like much compared to what's been lost. And the other thing too is it's important to acknowledge that, you know, colonisation is an ongoing process. It's still in train today and, you know, the inequity that arose from colonisation is still baked in the system and disadvantaging Māori. It's not over. Just on that too, just coming back to Nick Smith, can I say that um, it's fair to say that he won't be missed by Māori and um, an example of his poor relationships with Māori is what happened during the foreshore and seabed, which kind of started in his own electorate. And what was happening is that companies were putting in, for resource consent, to put in, you know, for aquamarine farming, and they were doing well. But when local iwi um, were putting in consents, all of their consents were being rejected, and it was that ongoing process of having their consents rejected where they started to look for another way where they could also participate in that part of the industry. And that's how the foreshore and seabed, the original ruling came out that said Māori have the right to test their rights to the foreshore and seabed, and he was very quick to jump on it. He was the first out of the gates. He was the first out of the gate and has remained out the gates ever since. (laughs) People have been Um, trying to round him up since 2003. Um, 
So there's some there's there's some irony that he he is having his spot taken by a wahine Māori who is among the MPs that you've interviewed mm. as part of the season season two of yes. Matangirea. Yes. I saw some images on social media. It looked like you were uh, in Wellington just last night. Mm. We had our launch last night at Backbenches. How was it? It was awesome. Yep. Dover came. Yeah. Ron Mark came. He's just got out of hospital. He's had quite um, significant he? shoulder surgery. Yeah. Georgina, he? he's awesome. Is he good spirits? He's in great spirits. Okay. Georgina Bayer came. Was he wearing a hat? D- D- yeah, D- Louisa Wall, Willie was, Jackson. Was Ron Mark we- wearing a hat? Of, of course he Dover was. Dover and Ron, you should really they should both have, had, ca- they you should have like had the twins. launch at Dakota <laughs> <laughs> on Courtney Place. <laughs> it's like free cowboy hats for everyone who comes in. Dover and Ron look like they had sent each other a memo about what they were going to wear because they've both <laughs> turned out like always beautifully dressed <laughs> um, with their big cowboy hats on, so it was very cool. And the the... News this morning was full of um, one of the interviews, uh, which I think Mikey Sherman has done, with Paula Bennett. Mm. And you mentioned Todd Muller before. Muller? Muller? Did we ever decide what it was? Muller. 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 Mueller. Mueller. In in which she describes how she had a call at seven in the morning, I think she said, and he basically said to her, you know, day two or whatever of the yeah. after the coup, that there would be no place for her, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that she was going to be heavily demoted. Mm. It just—I mention that because it does wind back into this broader question of the situation that the National Party finds itself in, and that—that that kind of—I mean, it does. You know, for for all her whatever her strengths or weaknesses are, Judith Collins had to pick up a party that was in a state. Right, you Matthew Hooden, fifty-three days. Yeah, well, you wrote, wrote a great friend. column. Um, he had nothing to do with who, it. Who was, yeah, he had yeah. nothing to do with it. No, his fingerprints are <laughs> not all an un- over. An unfortunate fifty-three day catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, he wrote from the sanitarium <laughs> where he's currently still in recovery by the coast. Um, he, uh, he wrote about this this sort of four week period where obviously there were all these resignations. The Falloon scandal hit. The uh, Hamish Walker scandal hit, mm. which included Michelle Bogue. Mm. Um, this was when the Jake Bazant allegations about his uh, slightly inflated CV came to light, but the party continued on with him as a candidate. It was when apparently the the deal was struck between National and Labor uh, to stand Shuffle down out the door. Raymond Tuo and Zhang Yang mm. after allegedly being briefed on security intelligence issues relating to the two. So there was this just kind of two-week hell mouth that opened, a four-week hell mouth that opened for um, National and and their their sort of, you know, the the repercussions are still coming. Um, You know, Jake Bazant, you know, it's it's easy to sort of make fun of him and I think that um, social shaming is an important part Mm, of the process for somebody who's been that much of a scumbag, allegedly. Um, He denies 
the scumbag. Well, does he actually deny it, or yeah, he did, did he just say there's two he sides? It to, no, he denied it he to the said, Herald. Like when people break up, like there's a lot of emotion. A lot of stuff happens when you break sometimes up. Sometimes you get their naked pics and you post them on the internet. Yeah, so, so to so, make you feel better. Sometimes they're still logged in on your on your phone, and so yeah. you accidentally conduct sexting <laughs> conversations with their exes <laughs> for yeah, a few months. <laughs> that poor woman when she, she yeah. was interviewed by him to do Plessy Ellen and she was like I, tr- I didn't want to you know cause him problems I wanted him to get help and but then <laughs> this year when I heard he was doing it again I like just awful but the point you're yeah. getting to ben, but, but the point I'm sorry the is that he he it, was in a very winnable seat he was in a winnable seat in Upper Harbour a gift of a seat and had there been the necessary Checks. screening you know, uh, searching of the internet, talking to people who knew him to make sure that he was the guy for the job. Maybe what National need to do is start sexting their candidates. They need to go down the... Well, <laughs> to, see, to see who, to see who sexts back. Well, and the, then I think that would be a good, just a filter to apply. Mark Dalda has a story back, then you can't on <laughs> Newsroom this morning about how immigration created all these fake social media accounts to basically test whether or not people are telling the truth about their claims, about their, you know, their, with their applications. Maybe that's what the National Party did. They need to get Merv... <laughs> a Merv yes. unit yes. to create a whole lot of sock puppet accounts. Take some take some tips from, as you say, uh, Ben, the police. Create a few false apps, and then before you know it, they'll just be churning out, you know, John Key and Jenny Shipley. It, it is this this what Hooten described it as this fundamental unseriousness, and I think that's a good way to describe it. After the Byzantium mm. allegations came out, the National Party just sort of said, oh, it's fine, it's fine. People massage their their CVs sometimes, you mm. know. Well, it's, it's a huge red flag. When you find people have done a bit of CV inflation, it usually ends up with them drunk in Queenstown saying, don't you know who I am? Hamner Springs. Hamner Springs, sorry. My apologies. Sorry, Aaron Gilmore. I mean, obviously we're speaking generally. <laughs> wow, it's a blast from the past. Um, but anyway, Peter Goodfellow should go. I mean, if, if, if your, par- your party president is responsible for essentially fundraising and candidate selection and the candidate selection has basically just been like a Hieronymus Bosch painting and there are currently charges in the High Court about fraudulent donations to the National Party. So it's hard to see where uh, old Ned Flanders is adding value here. The irony is... is the way I see this is it's kind of been good for Judith because it's taken the heat out of some of the unfortunate mm. things she said recently. And she has been, you know, openly critical and, and quick to, to disavow those guys. So in a funny way, it's kind of made her look quite competent and onto it. Like when the people around her kind of screw up oh, is when so she's she, sort of at her best. She has some authority for, I, for a moment. That is a that is a <laughs> long bar. Well, there, there, there is that, um, you know, obviously the circumstances around Nick Smith's resignation are a little bit murky because he said, I was advised this story yeah. was going to break, yeah. so I decided to get ahead of it. Now it seems that Judith Collins was the person who oh advised God, him the story so was going to break. And, it, the story hasn't quite broken yet. It's like he's so just been genius. sold a massive dummy. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes you get the feeling with Collins that, you know, 
if she's in a bit of trouble, her first instinct is just to like go back to what she knows and take someone down. <laughs> it's well, you know, just just to kind of centre herself. And <laughs> I mean, on the question of whether or not just to get grounded, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like go back to what you know. <laughs> it's like when you do Pilates, Ben. Isn't it? You're just, <laughs> That's right. Some people <laughs> meditate, and other people. Like the story of other people's careers. <laughs> oh, well, all's well that ends well. <laughs> the reality of it was, though, there was because there was a press conference on Friday, right? And um, Judith Collins had a had a press conference at what's the the yacht club, you know, down by the down by the Harbour Bridge, where she had where the the election night party, which which didn't go terribly well, but it was returned to the West Haven Yacht Club, whatever it was oh, called, yeah, you yeah. know, Squadrons Club. I don't know. Anyway. She was there to kind of go back to, you know, absolutely core national oppositionism, which is in defense of roads. You know, absolutely red meat for the national base. These bastards are trying to take away your roads. And she spoke for a minute on that, and then all the questions were about Jake Pizant and Nick Smith. So while I take your point, Annabelle, really, I don't think it... But on the whole, help. helps, you know, because I do think that does, that is, and we should probably talk about that a little bit, but this, you know, this, um, the New Zealand upgrade project, which has had a blowout by $6 billion or whatever over the course of 14 months, and the pivot towards more climate appropriate, uh, non fuel based solutions, you know, the, the effective scrapping of Mill Road, that is kind of, Classic National Party territory, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with the announcement of the um, Climate Commission's all-encompassing recommendations uh, today, which are coming, which are just coming. We're actually, I should have said this earlier. We're talking it on 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 late on Wednesday morning, and we've actually just got some printouts of the stuff there. So we're going to have to talk about it on the fly. Um, at the moment, Annabelle is just analysing the numbers. Quite clay. She's. Um, <coughs> how long have we got? We've got three minutes. We've- are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Look, ample ground for the National Party to make hay on this in the sense that everybody agrees something needs to be done about climate change. As Stephen Mills, the Labour Party pollster, said, uh, well, sorry, the owner of the company that polls for the Labour Party, said on Monday on RNZ, all of the all of the testing once you drill in with the voters is that they don't want to pay for it. And mm. any increase to their cost of living on the back of climate change action is 
a political uh, danger territory. It's been that way for the, you know, the entire time since we started getting into an ETS. Um, as soon as you pick out some er- some area or sector that is going to suffer because of an ETS, um, immediately political pressure comes on for exemptions, for subsidies. Everybody um, wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <clears throat> that, yeah, that's right. And, and it, you know, it is so complex. You know, you, you might say, well, look, we're going to have a gigantic bridge for walking and cycling, you know, over the harbour. Well, how does the carbon cost of that match up to having a few f- bike ferries that run on electric power? You know, the, you're, you're looking at such huge sort of multi-dimensional uh, kind of chess um, for these issues that, you know, it is interesting that, you know, in the last in the last sort of month or so, people have been talking about, you know, the grand plan, the architecture of Hepuapua, which seeks to reshape New Zealand society. And, and it's a good example of this tendency in New Zealand politics to, to see the hidden conspiracies and not the ones that are actually taking place in front of you. Because the Climate Commission's recommendations actually are a central government plan which will change everything about how we live. Mm. <laughs> and it's and it's just happening in public. And so no one gets exercised about it because they, they don't think that there's some, you know, hidden Illuminati agenda. And the, the Climate Change Commission final report, which came back, it's sort of coming back as we speak. It's just being, we're just printing it out right now. Um, had 15,000 submissions and it includes three suggested pathways, which is the word of the moment, uh, for the government to implement the requirements. The government now goes away. <coughs> uh, Jacinda Ardern is, uh, I think, about to deliver a speech in which she's going to go reiterate the uh, nuclear challenge of our generation stuff, so she's not backing down on that. Um, and then before the end of the year, they have to return with the plan, which is the real, the real when 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 the rubber really hits the road is when that that plan comes back, and so we'll probably convene a podcast for four pm on December the twenty fourth <laughs> <laughs> to discuss that as it is as it is released. But it is, I mean, that's that's when the the points that you make, Ben, about whether or not people have the people people want heaven and about, but whether or not they they want to do the. They're necessarily dying (laughs) in order to climb there. That's when it's going to become really tricky, right? Mm. More prosaically, on that bridge, the more kind of base political challenge for the Labour government is delivery or implementation or whichever (laughs) synonym you choose for the moment. But that's, I mean, that's the other area where, if we recall before COVID, uh, you know, it was in January of last year, I think, that the that this this massive infrastructure package was was outlined with a supergroup of MPs from uh, ministers from Labour and New Zealand First, and uh, then COVID happened and everything changed in terms of people's expectations and so on. But it also swept away the main opposition challenge of the moment, which was where's the delivery? This was remember it was called the year of delivery, and that kind of we forgot about that, but but. You know, a $685 million bridge for cycling and pedestrians, I don't know, it could be a light rail type situation. Well, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, is, is, will it be? Will it have one third of the impact on New Zealanders' lives that the $2 billion Kiwi Build program has? Will it have 
um, you know, a quarter of the impact of the $3 billion light rail project. I mean, it will probably be equal to both in that nothing will happen, um, you know, particularly during this term. Um, but look, if you can keep announcing announcing new things, you know, you can, you can have momentum. Um, the, the, I mean, the real implementation and delivery issue is going to be vaccines this year. Mm. Um, at some point, New Zealanders will notice that the rest of the world has actually gone back to normal, that 660 aren't playing here anymore because they can go overseas and play to crowds. Well, um, I don't know about the second part of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and, and, you know, at that point, people will start thinking, well, wasn't wasn't the whole point of elimination that we were going to buy time before we got a vaccine rather than to wall us off as an Atlantean civilization lost to the rest of the world in the South Pacific. Well, that's a bit of a tangent. We're not going to go on down that particular pathway for for now. We'll, we'll cover that next time. We d- I did want to touch on, though, Annabelle, I know you were desperate to talk about the Queenstown summit. You are desperate to talk about Jacinda and ScoMo and the Luge and the gondola. Um, did they go on the luge in the gondola? Oh, they didn't talk. They didn't. They did go on the gondola. Up the skyline. They went up the skyline in the gondola, but they, I, I, what they didn't show, so I can't they confirm the that it happened is the them lake? having a cheeky spliff and going down in the luge together. That would have been cool. Um, did they do the the paddle boat things? I assume yeah. they did the the paddle boat thing. Cool. I mean. Um, yeah, we're all best friends now. It's fine. The thing, the, but the, I'm still not talking to Australia. The disappointment that they've made up. I think we can all agree was that it never didn't live up to um, to the trailer, did it? It was like it was like it was like the Phantom Menace, you know? Amazing trailer, everyone gets excited. That 60 minutes one I'm talking about, and then the Scomo Jacinda summit was quite boring. That's right. There was no shirt fronting. No shit fronting. No head butting. <laughs> None of the. <laughs> no eye gouging. Uh, Annabelle's already leaving. Uh, sorry about that rambly podcast. Sometimes it happens. Hey, let's take the three billion for light rail and we'll give it to the nurses. Oh yeah, Should nurses we do on that? strike. On strike today. We'll give it to them. And then they can cycle to work. Thank you to Flick. Oh yeah, thank you to Flick. Sorry, Flick, that Toby forgot to mention you earlier in the podcast and 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 spin-off members. Yeah, if you want more of this, <laughs> support spin-off members. Okay, bye. I reject the premise of the question. Sunday on 9 and 9 now. Thank you, goodbye. Kia ora e te iwi, te ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.